Hi, this is Millie, and you're listening to the Escaping Narcissistic Parents podcast, where you'll find the validation and love you've been looking for. Welcome to my new listeners, and thanks to my loyal friends. Please follow me on Instagram at Escaping Narcissistic Mothers, all one word, and I will put all this in the show notes. Hi guys, I hope you're all doing well. Um, I'm coming to you today and you could probably hear that I'm a little bit stuffy and my voice is different because I'm in the middle of an anxiety attack. And to be completely honest, there's no real reason. Sometimes, and any of you that suffer from real anxiety know that sometimes it just is. It happens to be Monday afternoon. Um, Monday mornings are rough because I've spent the whole weekend with my husband and then he's off to work and I'm alone. But not every Monday is like this. Um... For my lady listeners, I'm also close to my period, which is probably what's making it worse. And I'm 47. Um, my PMS is is really bad now. It's probably more PMDD now. Um, because, you know, I'm getting older. I'm losing estrogen. How many of you are growing hairs on your chin that you have to pluck you know and they're white they're gray just to make it worse and not even well at least they're not as visible but the freaking white hairs growing out of my chin anyway um that's a lot of personal stuff I wouldn't normally talk about but we need to stop making the normal processes of getting older for women, a subject that is a secret when we are all going through it or will go through it. Right? I hate the fact that you see an actress who is in her 60s and you don't recognize her because she's had so much Botox that she looks like a different person. She looks like... (laughs) People with Graves' disease and autoimmune disorders in general, we get moon face. Moon face. That means that our our faces are swollen and they're really round. Well, they get moon face because that's what they want. They want to, you know, stretch stretch the skin out so it's taut and there's no wrinkles. And they look like they look ridiculous. Um, Okay, that's not what this this um episode is about that I wanted to talk about I haven't talked about this in a while and I thought I'd make another podcast and something that I don't know if I've ever mentioned on here but I'm going to so the covert narcissistic mother okay specifically mothers um covert meaning underhanded behind the scenes um they plan and they execute without anyone noticing 
um, they abuse you behind closed doors so no one in the outside world knows it. Um, to the outside world, they are great people. They tend to be looked at as the savior. Like my mom, when when we lived um, in New York <clears throat> when I was still young, and one of the kids in the building got sick. She was the first one that ran over there with, you know, some tea or some concoction that she thought she grew up thinking was was remedy, a remedy. And taking uh, temperatures and uh, she was the one who helped everyone but her own family, right? Because she wanted everyone else to think that she was the best thing and behind closed doors she was abusing her own child and the abuse wasn't always visible even to the child me um so what makes covert narcissistic mothers so awful is the fact of what i was just saying is tied into this the things that happen after you figured out it takes us much longer to figure it out because it was underhanded and behind the scenes and it wasn't necessarily screaming at you. It was just, you know, saying things to you that made you feel like a bad person or, you know, when I was a kid and I know a lot of you have this experience, um, I worked really hard studying to get a to to take a test. I don't know if it was science or social studies. I was still a kid, so it was called social studies, but what we we call history, right? And I studied really hard, and I got a 98. And when I came home all excited with my grade, she told me what happened to the other two points. So I could never reach her expectations because she kept changing her expectations and a plus was just not good enough it had to be a perfect 100 um so that's the kind of thing that a covert narcissistic mother does they're not the kind to scream you know they're not the kind that yells at their kids in public. They're not the kind of, uh, and I hate, <laughs> no one take offense to this, but the mothers you see in Walmart all the time. And that's my experience, right? And you see them, you can see them anywhere, supermarkets. But Walmart's a great place to see these mothers who, just by looking at them, you can tell that there's something not right, you know? They've got, they usually have several kids. Um, They're usually dressed provocatively, but are not necessarily attractive. Um, And they're alone, you know. That doesn't mean anything, but that is something that you see, right? And then the kids are acting up because they're kids, and they're all little. They're under five, and... So she starts hitting them and screaming at them. Those are not covert narcissistic mothers. Those are overt, okay? Those are the kind of mothers that have lots and lots of boyfriends when you're growing up. And they beat you on a consistent consistent basis. That's overt, okay? That's more an overt thing. So... 
<clears throat> the the thing I said I was going to say later, I'm going to say now. Um their covert programming in our heads is so powerful that my mother has been gone for 6 months. Okay? Over 6 months now. Almost 7. Um, and I'm having, as I said, I'm having a lot of anxiety right now. And I was talking to my husband on the phone during his lunch break. And I started talking about my mother and anxiety and my mother and how it was her fault. And how could she do this to me? And... I wonder what happened to me because my first panic attack was when I was about four or five years old that I remember. But what the hell did she do to me before that? Because something must have happened if I had a panic attack at four. And I started to calm down. And that sucks. And I've noticed it before. I don't think I've ever said it in a podcast. And it's it's important that I say it to you guys because you may be experiencing it and being confused. And even I'm confused. Why is it that when I don't feel good emotionally, I turn to my abuse for comfort? And it happens all the time. It doesn't happen as much as it used to, I will say, when... When I had just realized that my mother was a narcissist or had accepted it, it was, it happened constantly. Like, I was anxious all the time and I constantly talked about what was happening to me, constantly mentioned my three brothers I had no idea existed, you know, all that stuff. And and I don't need to do that anymore, which is, I guess I'm going in the right direction. But I still feel... Like, talking about her abuse comforts me. It makes me feel better. And I'm not a therapist, right? So, what can I tell you? I don't actually know, except for the fact I've read many, many things. And I haven't read anything specifically about being comforted by the abuse. But I can tell you this much. I bet you that it has to do with the fact that this is what makes us feel like home. You know that being an adult, sometimes you just want to go home. Want to go to our childhood room? Want to lie down in our childhood bed? Maybe pull out our old stuffed animals and feel comforted. But we didn't have that type of comfort, right? We grew up scared. We grew up anxious 
Because we had to figure out, hey, is mom in a good mood or in a bad mood? How should I behave according to how she's feeling? Our rooms, were they a a safe place? I try to answer that question and I don't really know if my room felt like a safe place. Right? I, I remember my room when I was growing up very clearly. and I don't know if it felt like a safe place because I had, there were no boundaries. You know, she walked in, did whatever. She, she did that when I was a teenager. I didn't have a lock on my bedroom door to have privacy. She she did what she wanted to do, you know? So the comfort for me comes in talking about my childhood abuse. That's where I'm comforted. I hope that this, if this is happening to you, that you realize that it's okay. It It is okay. I don't love that. I don't love knowing that, wow, you know, I, I don't feel good. And if I talk about my mom and what she did to me, I feel better. But I'm going to make a, a parallel here and you're you're probably going to be like, oh my God, that makes so much sense. Um, you do this all the time. A lot of you have do this all the time or have done this by choosing a partner, a romantic partner who is also toxic because you're looking for that comfort. Because you're looking, in one way you're looking to fix that original toxic problem with your mother. And in another way, it's what you know and what makes you feel at ease. Is toxicity. Is abuse. And we have to start. To use other things to comfort us. Okay. We shouldn't be using what. What made us feel terrible. As a way to comfort us now. But it's normal. It's normal. It's just little by little. We have to. When we notice it. We have to just say no. This is not. I'm not going to let this comfort me anymore. Make me feel better. So let's talk about covert narcissistic mothers. So these are the ones, again, and I said some of these things earlier, the ones that outwardly they treat you like, you know, like gold. They buy you pretty dresses for Easter, for example, since Easter was yesterday. And... You know, you have a an Easter basket and a little hat and the the patent leather Mary Jane shoes, right? Everything is new and they parade you around the, 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 the neighborhood. They take you to church. But when you get home, that's when the abuse begins, right? When no one is around to see it. 
And what I was trying to get to before is what is so horrible about this situation is some of you have expressed to me that, you know, you have a friend that saw it, that saw the abuse, that saw what was going on. So you have that person there to support you. And that's fantastic. I'm glad you have that. Us, the ones that had a covert narcissistic mother, we don't have anybody. Because nobody will believe us. That's the be- That's the most horrible thing about their abuse. It's not even that they did it behind doors. It's the fact that later on, when we realized that we were being abused behind doors... That everything that we we saw on the outside was not who they really were. And then we tried to get support and nobody will believe us. Because that's not what they saw. That, That wasn't their experience. Right? It wasn't. I only have one friend from my childhood currently that I can talk to about this. I have several people that I'm still in touch with that I cannot say anything about my parents about, you know, to them because they they push back they or they don't believe it or they minimize it. So I, I just stopped trying. I stopped. Right. There was one really good friend of mine that I'm sorry that this happened with, but she actually got nasty with me. My mother did not want her mother to call her and she had not given her their her phone number, right? They changed phone numbers. They've changed I don't know how many times they've changed their phone number since all this has gone down. I changed it one time and I've had the same phone number since then. I'm like, what's the point? I could just block people, you know. I, I don't need to change my phone number, but they change your phone number, right? The cell phone they had was a cell, an old cell phone of mine um, that I had bought, like a burner, what they would call a burner phone, but I didn't use it for anything illegal. It was just a cheap phone. I bought it for a specific purpose. Um, but it wasn't anything illegal. It was just a call overseas, and I, ne- I couldn't use my regular phone, so I had to buy that phone. And that was a long time ago. And I gave them that phone. And that's the phone they had for a long time. And then they got smartphones. And then I, they didn't give me the number. So she's contacting me. Oh, my mom wants to call your mom. And this and that. I'm like, I don't have her number. I did have it. But I wasn't going to enable that situation. Because if it's, it, I wasn't going to get involved in it. Said, I don't have it. I don't talk to my mother. And she told me to grow up. She told me all these horrible things. And I was like, okay, well, I know what I need to do. You know, I'm blocked her on Facebook. Because that's, we're actually just messaging on Facebook. Um, people who take the abuse and live with the abuse tend to be the ones who do that, who go farther than just saying, but it's your mother, who actually get angry at you. Because that's projection, right? They're projecting their own situation. She, I know that they had issues. I don't know specifically what. I don't think their mother was abusive. Their father was off, toxic, 
he cheated. He left. I, I, I remember some things happening. Um, they did get divorced. Their parents, um, they didn't have an easy childhood. I know they didn't. Um, but she didn't need to project her crap onto me that way. And so I was done. And now they can try and find out whatever they want. I don't know if they know my mother died. And I'm not going to tell them. There's so many people I wonder if they, you know, I think about, I wonder if they knew my mother died. Because my mother cut everyone off. When, when When I blew the whistle, she cut people off. She just said, oh, no, I don't want anything to do with this. People that were in my life when I was little... Because my mom moved, my parents, and I've told the story, my parents moved from Brooklyn to Queens when I was a baby, as far as I know, okay? Again, these are things I don't remember. If I mean, I lived in Queens, but I don't know if, if that's when we moved, when I was an infant in the winter, does it make sense? But okay, that's what I've been told, so that's what I need to, that's the only thing I can repeat, right? Um, I think it's true, I, I, but maybe not, maybe I wasn't as young. But anyway, the point is, they moved, and then my mother lied to everyone she met in Queens. She lied to all of them. She made really close friends. People who were hurt that, number one... All of a sudden, she stopped talking to them. And number two, I kept telling them, I have three brothers. Like, she was lying to you. I never said she was lying to you. I said, my father had three sons. She never said anything to me. I have proof that they exist. I have pictures of me with my brother. And and just pictures of them. They look like him. I mean, there's... They, the, anyone would look at those pictures and know that that's my dad's kids, right? Anyway, so the covert narcissist, that's what they do. I mean, that's a perfect example. She moved. She left the story, her real actual story behind in Brooklyn. You could do that back then. Social media now doesn't matter where you live, right? Your story is going to go with you. Um, when I first knew that my mother was extremely toxic, the whole story about her not telling me that they had power after a hurricane when we didn't, that whole thing, I went on Facebook and I vomited out my story, right? I told everyone I had on Facebook as friends what had happened. I left the story up for a couple of hours, so not everyone read it, but I left it long enough that I got a couple of phone calls going, okay, you need to tell me what's going on, and it's like, okay, I'll explain, I'll tell you what's going on, this is what's going on, and I'm in a hotel right now because my mother didn't tell me they had electricity, so... You know, so these were, and and these were all the people that lived in Queens. (laughs) So that's what coverts do, is they keep everything 
every bad thing, everything that they consider bad in their life, they keep it hidden. Now, the worst part of the, all of this is that if my mother had just been honest and, and stayed in Brooklyn, I mean, I'm kind of glad I loved where I lived in Queens. I I had a childhood that most people don't get. I had a childhood where I went to Catholic school, but even in a Catholic school, I had friends from every part of the world. I had a Japanese friend. I had Indian friends. I had friends from everywhere in Europe. I had this mix of people, and I love the fact that I grew up with that kind of knowledge of other cultures, right? That I wasn't this person who grew up just, you know, just knowing a certain, like, Cubans. Like, if my parents had just moved to Miami, which is what most Cubans do, and I had only been surrounded by Cubans my whole life, I would be a different person, let me tell you. Because Cubans are, they're all narcissists. <laughs> Actually, I'm saying that as a joke, but I do have a friend who ended up going to therapy. Her mother is toxic, but her biggest issue is she couldn't stand being around the Cuban culture. And it's not the culture. It, it's it's part of... um. Narcissism is kind of like inbred in that culture where people have to know everybody else's business and you can't just have your own life. Everybody has to criticize what you do, so you always have to keep up appearances. It's a very difficult life to live, and I understand why she felt the need to go to therapy because she did live in a more Cuban-centric neighborhood than I did. She she lived in New Jersey, I lived, and and she actually, that's not 100% true. We grew up in the same neighborhood, but she's 10 years older than me. So nine or 10 years older. So when she was growing up as a teenager, that neighborhood was full of Cubans. While when I moved there, there weren't that many Cubans. There weren't any Cubans left, actually. It was all a Dominican neighborhood. So I got a different experience than her in the same neighborhood 10 years later. All right, so um, I'd be a completely different messed up person if I if I had grown up around Cubans all the time, all the time, all the time, because it, it they are just it's just not good. It's not good. It's not good. Not every Cuban, okay. I I am Cuban. You know, both of my parents are from Cuba. I'm first generation. But, wow, living with them is not easy. Um, With Cubans, I mean, my parents, of course. So, the covert narcissist. Um, So, of course, she, she grew up in that environment, too, my mother. She grew up in that environment in a tiny little town in Cuba where everyone knew everybody's business for, for real. Like, because there were, like... <laughs> Swear to God, 20 people in this town. My mother always talked about... She always put my dad down. Because he... Oh, he's he's not educated. He's not this. He's not that. And would mention that he was from Havana. And I would always sit there so confused, befuddled, you know, completely. Because my dad was the one that was from a city, Right? Havana, everybody knows where Havana is, the capital of Cuba. It's a city. I've been there. It's a city. 
And my mother was from a one-horse dirt road town, which I got to see. But my mother always made up stories about my grandfather owning a, I don't know how to put this, sugarcane field. I'm not going to call it the word that she called it. We don't say that word anymore. Um, And they had money and they had nothing. Okay, as it turns out, um, they all came here because they were so poor. That's why they came to the United States. Um, So that's, again, I'm trying to show examples of what a covert narcissist does. They lie about everything. They project, right? My dad was the um, stupid, uneducated one when she was the... Most likely uneducated one, okay? And I say most likely because she was a teacher, I believe, but she taught in a schoolhouse in the middle of nowhere in Cuba, okay? I'm wondering what kind of education you really needed to be a teacher back then, right? It's not like here. Um... And she she put down my father, who had started architecture school in Cuba, in in Havana. So that, that, again, this is all covert narcissistic stuff, right? So I'm talking to one of these people I've I've mentioned. I'm sorry, I can't put names to them. But this woman, I, I have memories of her when I was very young in Queens... Um, I used to go to their house. She had daughters who were older than me. They were teenagers when I was a little pipsqueak, you know, four, five, six years old. Her daughters were teenagers already. And I looked up to her daughters, of course, but I we used to go over there. And, and I remember this is just a funny memory or cute or nice memory. I swear if she dies, I deserve that damn bell. She had a bell, <laughs> just a bell, you know, you could pick up and ring it. And I used, the first thing I used to do straight when we would go to her house, go straight for the bell. Um, I feel like that bell is mine. <laughs> um, and that bell existed. I remember the last time I saw that bell, I was probably, well, I might have been in my 30s. Because I visited her. She lives in Miami now. Um, I visited her there. And, and I and I remember going, oh my God, there's the bell, the bell. <laughs> anyway, she was very good friends with my mother. She was like my aunt, you know, my aunt. I don't have any bad feelings towards her. I think she she saw when my mother died, she called me. And we had a conversation. And she told me a few things. And I said to myself, she saw my mother's toxicity, at least later. Because narcissists do get worse with age, right? They get worse. And it's harder for them to hide their toxicity because they don't have the supply they used to when they were younger. Um, They don't have the amount of people to give them the... They're not surrounded by people who are constantly giving them praise. So they show their true colors more. And 
she did something and it, it wasn't very serious, but it was you know, right up someone right up the alley of someone who's toxic. Um, my mother was visiting my aunt who they live my aunt and this woman live almost walking distance from each other, which is really in Miami that's not something you can say because you can't walk anywhere, right? You have to get in a car. <laughs> it's just like where I live. Um and my mother called when she was ready to go visit her friend. Like she didn't call her the day before and say, I'm going to, I'm, I'm here in Miami and I want to see you tomorrow. One's a good time. She called as they were leaving to go see her. And she was getting her nails done. And her daughter was the one that got the message and called her and said, Hey, so-and-so's coming over. And she said, all right. And she, she left. She left the nail salon. And by the time she got home, my mother had already left. So she saw that there was something not right. Like, who does that? And all I said to her is, I'm sorry she did that to you. But I'm not surprised. This is who she was. Another thing that a covert narcissist does is the ones that stay married... They use their marriage as a way to get positive attention as well. Um, this woman used a phrase that I hadn't heard since I was a little kid. And when she said it, it, it brought me back. I swear I was four when she said it. In my head, I just went back to being a little kid. She called my parents an orange. She used to say it in Spanish, naranja. She used to say it all the time. When I was a kid, I remember her saying my parents were like an orange. Think about how an orange is, right? It's inside a peel. It's inside a strong peel. The pieces are really close together. So she saw my parents as these two people who were always close together inside of a peel. And... I didn't know how to tell her, you don't know. You don't understand. They weren't an orange. Okay? My dad was abused by my mom all the time. I'm not making excuses for him because I stood up for him many, many, many times. I would argue with her because she would say things that were just wrong and not nice. And why are you saying these things about my dad? There were times when I actually said, you picked him to be my father. Why are you using me? Why are you telling these things to me? You need to tell your friends these things, not me. That's a boundary issue with a covert narcissist, right? So um, that's another thing they use is their marriage. They make it seem to the outside world that their marriage is perfect. That they have a happy marriage. And the reality is that their marriage is awful. If they even speak. Right? She even tried that crap with me when I got married. You know, lying to me. And I realized that now I didn't at the time about how... You know, when my dad finally was working days instead of the evening shift and how 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 they spoke all the time. And that's not true. My mother and my father were never close. 
you know, I I know that my dad, I, I don't know what he's feeling right now as far as my mother being gone. I know that I can have empathy for him in a way and still protect myself. He's been very clear about not wanting to talk to me um, or anybody else for that matter. He changed his phone number and he's cut off everyone. He's cut off everybody. And... You know, I know I could get his phone number. My ex-husband would give it to me. But I'm not going to ask for it because I don't want it. I'm I'm done. I tried enough times. <laughs> He's toxic too. It's 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 amazing how two toxic people can just get together. But my dad my dad's reaction toxicity was if I'm not looking at the problem, it doesn't exist. But it, in his case, it's not just problems. It was people. It was his own children. And, you know, I'm just the last victim. I just happened to be in my 40s instead of five or one. My dad actually left his son when he was one. This is the son that I met first because he lives here in Miami and he didn't know his father. He'd never met his father. My dad left when he was one. And he wanted to introduce his son to his grandfather. And I tried. But it never happened. You know? If he if he wants to think that he'd punish me by contacting his kids right now, I hope he does think that that would punish me because I think that my brothers deserve my brother deserves to meet his father. That's just me. So, yes, totally empathetic. I don't really like that brother to be honest. I don't I don't like him. I don't know what it is. And that's fine. I don't have to like him. But I do think that he deserves to have met his father. He probably is the way he is because of that situation. His oldest son that he abandoned when he was around five also had a son who he abandoned. And I talked to my nephew. I love my nephew. He's only six years younger than me. Me and him are contemporaries. It's so fun to call him nephew and he calls me tia. Tia, which means aunt in Spanish. He calls me, I have someone calling me aunt, auntie. In in real life, I've heard this. You know, it's something that to me is amazing because I was an only child. So I'd never be an aunt. And now I have a whole bunch of nieces and nephews, right? Um, And it's amazing. You know, there's always, there's always that, 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 um, silver lining right and that's the silver lining i got out of finding out about my brothers was i have two nieces and two nephews now i didn't have any right i'm not saying i'm in contact with all of them but i'm in contact with enough i have i have them now they exist so anyway Back to the whole covert thing. And I'm sorry, I'm talking, again, what comforts me is talking about my my trauma. 
And I'm sure maybe you haven't even noticed it yet. You know, because this is something that took me a long time to realize that whenever I was feeling anxious or bad, all I could do was talk about my trauma, talk about my trauma, talk about my trauma until I felt better. And then I could move on. But what, why is talking about my drama, trauma the thing that comforts me? That is insane. Because it's all we knew. That is what brings us back to when we were children. That is what, what you know, it's unfortunate because that's what we knew. It's like Stockholm Syndrome. We feel better with the abuser or, you know, my mother taught me to believe that she knew better for me than I did. But that's not true. And I didn't realize that till after I was no contact. I was like, wait a minute. First of all, I haven't died. (laughs) Because she always had this background noise about I couldn't survive without her. I haven't died. She's dead. I'm not. (laughs) So, uh, one point for me, if not ten points for me, right? And that she knew what was best for me. Because she knew me better than anyone else. That knew me better than I knew myself. And that's another thing that I learned. Is, uh, no you don't. I know what's best for me. And I'm allowed to do whatever the hell I want. Without your opinion or your your your, your stonewalling, because that was her tactic when I didn't do what she wanted or when she wanted me to do something, she would stop talking to me or sabotage a situation. Um, she almost got me fired from a new job because she wouldn't watch my daughter who had an ear infection for one day and never gave me a good reason. I I. There were so many times when things happened that confused me that now I think back at it and I go, she wanted me to feel confused. She wanted me to not understand why she couldn't take care of my daughter. I didn't lose my job. And I did stay home with my daughter. So everything everything was fine. Um but they do so many things. I mean, and the, the, that's the kind, that's why covert narcissistic mothers are so dangerous. Because they do things like that. They don't do things that people see ever. They do things like, I'm going to screw you over by not helping you out when you're asking for help. I'm going to stop talking to you and tell people that you stop talking to me. That's something else she did, right? Stonewalling, just manipulations and things that other people never saw. All they saw was, I went to Catholic school my whole life. I was a princess. I was this. I was that. I went to Europe. The only reason I went to that Europe trip in high school was so that she could brag about the fact that I went to the Europe trip in high school. That they had enough money to send me to Europe. Right? That was the only reason I went. I mean, I did freaking enjoy it. (laughs) I'm not going to lie. But she also used that trip to... 
I've talked about this in, in other podcasts. I left to Europe, came back, and when I get home, this is an apartment, mind you, in New York City. The living room looked like a little daycare center. And when I asked her, I said, what, what's, this go- what's going on here? Oh, no, I just did it so I could get my certification, which is bullshit, squirt. Um, because a couple of months later, it was Easter time, right? Right around now. It was actually Easter was like April 9th or 10th that year. Yes, I remember things like that. I'm sorry. I have this really good memory with things in the past. <laughs> not now. <laughs> my short-term memory is not good. Um, which scares me because that's how the, the, my mother's dementia started. Was, I started to notice years ago that she, her memory was terrible. Um, let's hope that's not going to happen to me because I'm scared of that happening to me. Anyway, um, so when school ended, when school ended for me, she, the kids started ringing the doorbell at six o'clock in the morning without me knowing this was going to happen. And she had five or six kids in the house every day. That, that summer was horrible. I've talked about it before. Um, so that's covert stuff. I'm not going to do it in front of you because you're going to stop me if I do it in front of you. This is my, 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 I know how my dad let her do it. I really, I don't know. He has no, the way we stopped it was that we kind of both bitched about it. Me and my father. But he wouldn't do it alone. I had to be there to also go up against her and say, you need to stop this. This is not okay. We're not okay with a daycare center in our living room. And my dad was working evenings at that point. So he would go to bed at 1 or 2 o'clock in the morning. And at 6, he'd be start, you know, they'd start waking him up. There was no lock on their door either. So the kids would walk in. It was, you know, a nightmare for him too. I, I guess I got lucky because that's the only time he teamed up with me. That And one other time. So anyway, this has been mostly about my experience as a with a covert narcissistic mother also. I'm anxious and I talking through stuff like this just makes me feel better. And I hope to God that one day I am anxious and I don't have to revert to talking about this. And I hope that you guys are not this is not happening to you. I do. But if it is happening to you, don't feel bad about it. Okay? It's okay. It's okay. You will eventually not. When people say, and I've heard this, oh, I've already healed. I'm moving on. I'm living a life in peace. I think one of two things. Toxic person, you're toxic. Or you're just in denial, so much in denial that one day you're going to lose your 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 mind because this is an ever going forever and ever process it gets better and better and better but it's a process that will never end you will never be healed past tense you will be healing forever you will. And you will notice what things need to be healed. 
right? Like noticing that I need to talk about this when I'm anxious. For some reason, it makes me feel better because, like I said, I know what it is. Psychologically, it's what I know. It's what makes me feel comfortable. I need this to not feel comfortable. You know, with time, I won't turn to speaking about my abuse and my trauma as comfort. All right. I am going to stop there. I love you guys very, very much. I appreciate you guys with everything I have. Old and new listeners. I mean, my faithful listeners. I I don't know how to thank you for being with me. Um, I confirmed (laughs) through an email. I have been podcasting for two and a half years. It's close to two and a half years. Um... And I know some of you have been here since the beginning. Okay. I do know that. And then some of you are new. And I welcome all of the new ones. And I hope that I can help you to go through this in your life. And I can guide you. Right. Like I said, I cannot give you advice one on one, but I can give it to you here. Um, you cannot heal while you're still being abused. And a covert narcissistic mother is the most horrible mother to have. So I'm sorry. I love you. And until next time.